We will employ an exciting, fast, explosive, and diverse offense combined with a physical, punishing, relentless, suffocating defense. Purdy rolls right, looking to throw. Benito gives chase, comes back left. Purdy still looking, sets up, balls loose, rolling around in Iowa State territory. Redmond picked it up. Redmond on the run. Redmond scores. Oh, mama. Oh. Alright guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host this evening, Kamir Morabian, joined by one of my best friends, Stephen Brown. Stephen, how's life, man? It's good. It's busy. I'm not a big fan of the time change, for sure. Dude. It's got me a little, uh, a little sleepy. Like every single day I have gotten off to a slow start because of the time change. And like I I went to the gym on Sunday uh, way later than normal. And then I realized, oh, it's not six. It's seven o'clock. And this gym closes in two hours. So I was like, I looked at the guy. I was like, I'll be out of here in two hours. I apologize. This time change is messing me up. And now you have like, this the u.s congress and senate and uh like pretty much just being like let's just stick to one time like let's not do this anymore this is confusing for everybody and everybody hates it like did you know like the state of arizona they just they never changed their clocks ever they yeah. don't do that yeah i learned that while i was over there i was like you guys are kind of weird it's it's antiquated it's for farmers it, that's what it was originally for uh was for farming and now we no longer need that and uh <laughs> for, even farmers no longer need that i mean they use a, they use a farmer's almanac but they they don't need the daylight savings time stuff right. anymore i just think it's interesting so yes i'm in full support of getting rid of the time changes and just going with it but <laughs> Man, we have a lot to talk about. I mean, there are several comments, lots of recruiting stuff going on, whether if it's, you know, juniors that are about to be seniors in a few months, uh, some transfer portal stuff, looking at some spring ball being a week away, and then taking a lot of your guys' questions. Um, You guys can, if you're watching on live stream on YouTube, if you're watching on Facebook or wherever, uh, feel free to drop comments and thoughts and concerns or questions in the chat too, as we go along and um, as we go along with these questions toward the end of the podcast. So let's start off right, man. Um, this guy puts out a magazine every single year and he's super well known for it. And he is viewed very, very positively in a <clears throat> lot of different circles and called football and Phil Steele. And he put out his uh, preseason top 25. And I thought it was really interesting because, you know, other dudes like Mandel didn't even have Oklahoma inside their top 25. And so I thought it was very interesting that Phil Steele, a guy that's very respected in the college football playoff community, ranked Oklahoma. They ranked the Sooners ninth. And so I wanted to kind of get your reaction to that idea because his ranking of the university is totally different than a lot of other people. Right. Yeah. Uh, ninth is probably as high as I would, I would have ranked him. That's probably, uh, I don't think I would dip me too, too much farther into the top 10 with OU at this point. Um, not knowing what the offense is really going to look like. Um, still kind of piecing together a defense. So um, pretty generous uh, ranking. I think OU for me would be about a top 15 team. Um, 
but you know, I, for, for no reason, I wouldn't keep him out of the top 25 like Mandela does, but uh, it's gonna be interesting to see <clears throat> kind of what Phil Steele's reasoning behind that is other than Oklahoma does return quite a bit of talent. Um, and Brent Vittables is, he was a well-known defensive coach. So uh, it's gonna be interesting to hear his opinion. Let's 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 say the Sooners go ten and three this coming year. Let's say let's say they go ten and three and they make it to the Big yeah. Twelve title game, but maybe they they lose it or maybe they go eleven and eleven and two, um, and they win the Big Twelve title game. Is that as uh, but lose like maybe horrifyingly in the bowl game? So that would make them have an extra loss um, at eleven and three. Is that that's a successful season in your opinion? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be, I mean, it's a pretty good season. I think, um, the standards at OU is, is going to be national championship or bust most seasons, uh, from here on out, but, um, you know, given the circumstances, losing Lincoln Riley, losing Caleb Williams, uh, kind of the whole mess that, that developed at the end of the season, I think, you know, 11 and three season would be a pretty solid, uh, start for Brent Venables. Let's say they make it to the Big 12 Conference Championship, lose it, but winning the bowl game, um, or not even making it to the Conference Championship, but winning in a bowl game and going like 9-3. and three. Uh, so You're more in a rebuild if you're going that, that kind of record. There's no really drop-off if you're going like 11-3, 11 11-2, 10-3, right. something like that. Um, but you should be expected to make that Conference Championship and, and win it in the Big 12. And I think Oklahoma is going to get the benefit of the doubt. And I think Oklahoma is kind of rebuilding in a good year of the Big 12 where there are a lot of moving pieces and a lot of guys leaving, not just Oklahoma, but several institutions. So I think this is a really good year for Brent Venables to become the first year head coach at Oklahoma sincerely because of that, right? Uh, is just because that, you know, Oklahoma State, they lost their defensive coordinator, lost a lot of players. Baylor's losing a lot of guys. They're, uh, Iowa State's losing, like, a lot of those dudes. So now you've got Baylor on offense, who they have left with their offense wasn't the issue. It's their defense, which is so incredible. You have Texas that they'll always have talent, and maybe they're going to put it together. And other than that, I mean, like, Oklahoma State, like, they, they're, like, who else is there, you know? And so... I think uh, Oklahoma is in a really good spot for the conference uh, just by attrition. Simply, this right. is, what do you think? Is it? Do you agree with that? Yeah, there's no obvious obvious contender to Oklahoma at this point, other than Texas. And you know, Texas really hasn't really put it together, um, despite having pretty much all the talent in the world available to them. So um, it's really OU's conference until anyone else proves otherwise. I mean, obviously this season. Uh, there's some things at, at Oklahoma that kind of prevented them to play up to the level that I think everybody expected them to, right. but um, those are gone. And now the expectations are back to conference championship. And it's interesting because when I talk to guys like Gerald Goodridge, uh, burnt orange nation again, like I know like he's a Texas guy and, but people need to follow Gerald. He's a great guy. He gives rational <clears throat> thoughts on Texas. He's not like, the other guys that you think of that sunshine pump Texas all the time. Like he knows they have some very real problems and that's why their offensive line class was so huge. And that's why they were handing out bills so huge. <laughs> um, and so 
he, in his thoughts, told me that Oklahoma is going to win the Big 12 until it just doesn't happen. I mean, that's just a simple fact because Oklahoma's, you know, they have dominated the conference for more than a decade. For two decades, they've dominated the conference. And so this is likely their last year in the conference. And I'm just really curious to see what happens. Um, you've got a defense that has bought in a lot of people that didn't really transfer out. And then you had an offense where, yeah, you guys, you had guys leave, but you also have some, some quality guys that are left. Uh, it's just a matter of now filling kind of those holes with some depth uh, recruiting classes and maybe some transfers, but talking about Texas fans and Texas in general, there are a lot, a lot of people that want to get Oklahoma fans. Like there are a lot of people in general that feel like they want to troll Oklahoma. And then when Oklahoma <laughs> fans react are like, what are you guys in your feelings? It's the weirdest thing ever that they're like, man, these Oklahoma people, they're a bunch of wine bags. Like, dude, they're the only reason Oklahoma people are complaining is because you are the one that are, is keeping their name in your mouth. So my advice would be just to like, like that, remark from a troll or bookmark it and save it for later like save those receipts what, what do you have for people that uh get it angered by a certain tweet or maybe a post on a random site what, what, what advice do you have for those people that you know when you have mandels of the world and the colin cowherds of the world just, just <clears throat> crapping all over oklahoma what, what would you be what would you say to those people that are responding or want to respond well, if it's Colin Coward, I always bring up to the point where he just automatically talks about divorces all the time. That's go-to uh, narrative. It's like, who wins the divorce? And he always wants to bring up his divorce. So uh, I'll sometimes respond to Colin Coward. But if it's just a regular like fan or anything like that, I'm not I'm not big on replying to him anymore. It just doesn't get me as happy as it used to. So Yeah, I mute a lot of people these days. I've, yeah. taken, I've taken the advice of... I don't really block friends. people, but I'll, I'll mute some people. Yeah, I don't I don't really block people. I never really did, but uh, definitely uh, mute people these days. JD uh, blocks people. Did you, he does. He does. Uh, used to be on the field and now off the field in whatever role he is doing <laughs> right now. And um, speaking of former players, this is something that was we were going to bring up last week. But again, like schedules and conflicting things. But Rattler at, at University of South Carolina. At uh, the other USC across the other side, he came in pretty hot with some comments. And I mean, I know they aren't a direct shot, but oh my, some of these comments are pretty revealing. He talks about his time at South <sighs> Carolina and the coaching there. And, you know, in comparison to him, you know, transferring from the University of Oklahoma. And he said the system, the system def uh, definitely levels a pro style system. Rattler said, I'm learning a lot of new things every day terminology and verbiage that I didn't know coming in. He talks about coach Satterfield and coach Coleman They've done a great job with him so far as a quarterback. He said he's learned probably more in a month than he had in his entire college career. Uh, he said with these pro style systems in the film they're watching, he thinks that it elevates everybody's game on the team mentally and physically on the field. Yikes that that <laughs> like I know that he didn't mention Oklahoma at all. He didn't mention any former coaches at all, but the the man gives a scathing review on what he experienced at Oklahoma just by <laughs> saying he's learned more in a month at the University of South Carolina 
than he ever did as Lincoln Riley being his head coach and play caller and quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator. That strikes me as sour grapes, but also a lot to say. Yeah, and we both know that the Rattler can get ahead of himself on comments and, and stuff like that. So uh, I'm sure he didn't mean it as abrasive as it came out to be, but uh, it's pretty rough to hear that from your, your former starting uh, quarterback slash Heisman front runner who, who got benched under your offense for Lincoln Riley. So um, I think there's some truth to it. Obviously, the spread offense hasn't really completely taken over the NFL. Um, mm-hmm at this point. So a lot of pro style things transition better, um, but they're running at South Carolina to, to the NFL. So, I mean, he's right in that aspect, but I don't think he's learned more in a month than he has in three years. I mean, like, let's, let's think about it. How many NFL teams can you think of right now that are successful, that are successful run a spread offense besides Kansas city? Um, trying to think who else runs the the spread. Chargers. Chargers kind of run a, a. I mean, it's kind of everywhere, but they run a run they, they run a run of RPO. It's not a full spread. Yeah, a lot of RPO. Um, I want to say like, I guess you could say the Cardinals a little bit, even though mm-hmm. I don't know if you consider them successful. You know what I mean? It's like that. You know what I'm getting at? Is it's just yeah. like you're gonna. It's need not a full air raid. Yeah, exactly. You're going to you're going to need a quarterback to do those sorts of things. And that's kind of what worries me mildly about Jeff Levy's offense, because it is very wide open and it's not pro mm. style at all. And so I get a little bit concerned uh, just thinking about that. Do you get concerns about that? Not as much, because, I mean, if you look at like like Alabama, for instance, they went to a full spread style offense. Yep. And they're doing just fine. Like uh, they couldn't couldn't be any better. So um, it's not the same as it is in the NFL. Like in college, your spread offense can win you some big games. Do you think future spread quarterbacks at Alabama will will struggle in, in the NFL? Because like I also think about Clemson quarterbacks. Because uh, Clemson and Ohio Clemson and Ohio State quarterbacks. I mean, Ohio State quarterbacks. Same same situation. They have like this this power spread. Uh, Clemson wasn't necessarily a spread. They're kind of more pro style, but they also mixed in that power spread that Ohio State had. And they've seen a lot of success. Whereas Ohio State quarterbacks, not too much success. Uh, the Florida quarterbacks, uh, not Florida, Alabama quarterbacks that aren't spread quarterbacks, um, they've had success. But the Alabama quarterbacks that were super spread haven't necessarily had that as much success. So I'm just very curious to see like how this next generation of quarterbacks that are going to these top tier schools really fit in because typically you're not going to you haven't seen these five-star quarterbacks um, that are spread quarterbacks really be really, really successful in the NFL. I guess you could say like Justin Herbert a little bit. They ran a little yeah. variety of the spread. And that, that's what I, that's what I come back to. And that's why I think the him and the RPO fit so well together right. in Oklahoma. Jeff Levy, that dude's going to run RPOs all day. Like That's what the offense is. It's a lot of RPO, big-bodied receivers, and we'll talk about that in a second. Talking about other I, – I, I was catching up on podcasts since it's spring break, and I was listening to a podcast where Jeremiah Hall it was on it, of course, but it was Brandon Willis uh, – Braden Willis, excuse me. 
Braden Willis was interviewing Theo Weiss. And Theo Weiss was actually intending to transfer from Oklahoma that, that this last entire year. And he was actually intending to transfer to Ole Miss. He's, he, had, he had been talking to, uh, yep. to Jeff Levy when, it, when he was able to, um, you know, because you know, recruiting is always clean. And then once the regime, once the regime change happened, he's like, I've been talking to Levy. And so he came back to Oklahoma. So I thought it was so intriguing that Weiss was out the door. He was going to go to Ole Miss as soon as the season had, had ended. And now, oh, Levy's coming to Oklahoma. Well, I'm staying put now. And Theo is six foot three. He's a little bit bigger bodied receiver. He's the kind of receiver that actually Levy wants in his offense. Levy's receivers are not, you know, Sterling Shepherds. They're not Deron Neals. You'll have a few of those mixed in. For example, I think Marvin Mims is still going to be the leading receiver, but he wants big bodied, thicker receivers like six foot two, six foot three and above. You know, dudes like Jaden Gibson and Nick Anderson, he's going to want them to fill out. And so when I when I look at people saying, especially UCF, they didn't have this problem at Ole Miss, and that was also a Lane Kiffin thing. They're like, he didn't really use tight ends. It's like, well, geez, your receivers are <laughs> in. They're like tweeners between tight ends and, and and wide receivers. That's why they're such thick receivers. Um, so that now makes a lot more sense after after like reviewing the the tape. So, I mean, thinking about Jeff Lebby. Thinking about Theo Wees, thinking about the receivers coming back, how do you feel about Jeff Lebby putting out three receivers out in the field of game, especially out to the boundaries where you're going to need speed? Because if you look at Dylan, Dylan Gabriel highlights, pretty much everything's a go route. There's not a lot in between. <laughs> yeah. And so is you, do, you have a, do you have any concerns? Do you have questions? Are you anxious for the spring game, which is in April, about that? What do you think about that moving forward? What the yeah, it'll be interesting. Have? Uh, it'll be really interesting to see what they do as far as their passing attack. Because if you do look at the UCF offense, a lot of it was uh, a lot of it was very far downfield, a lot of go routes, um, and kind of just they're just playing that man to man. If they get the, like the one-on-one coverage, that's where they're going to go. That was essentially the the Baylor offense. So um, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how it mixes in with um, what he did at Ole Miss when there was a lot of crossing routes. I mean, still you you take your shots deep, but um, they really attacked over the middle on some defenses um, in the SEC. So I think you'll see a little bit of a variety. Um, I don't think it's going to really swing one way or the other per se. I think it's going to be kind of a, a fine mesh of of taking your downfield shots and then, you know, kind of nickel and diming your way down the fields. So I think Theo Weiss does fit into that. Um, guys like Marvin Mims probably fit a little bit better if you're going off what they did at Ole Miss. Um, you look at Ole Miss's receivers, they were all around right at six foot um, for their main playmakers. So I would go with Marvin Mims having a pretty big impact and, and Weiss being like that. Uh, maybe, maybe he's more of the downfield guy, the 50-50 ball. And see, I really like Oklahoma's receivers in this offense because Levy, mm-hmm. they, they run a lot of guys out to the boundary. Um, and, you know, typically some in most often, if you even have three receivers on the field, you have two guys past the numbers and one guy just just right in front of the numbers. And so they're really those guys on islands, making sure they get into one on one situations. 
And so you bring up Marvin Mims, you bring, you know, we talk about Theo E's, guys that are going to be successful in this offense. I also think about dudes like Trayvon West that could have really big games because yeah. he's a speedster. I think of guys that are like that are like Brian Darby that are quicker, uh, that are like also a little bit thicker that can also be successful. And then uh, last but not least, I think of course Drake Stoops as a guy that will not be at the out the band out the boundaries. I would be very surprised to see Drake Stoops at the boundary unless they're just run un- unless they're running like a, a a very very off tackle run play. And they need a guy to seal off a block because if there's anybody that's going to seal off a block in this receiving core, that's not a tight end. It's going to be Drake Stoops. He knows those fundamentals. That's how he stays in the field. Um, but I, I really like those guys that they have. Uh, they, there's a variety of dudes. You know, Braden Willis coming in and playing in that role. I think he's going to have a lot of success there. I'm very curious to see how it goes. And so give me your top three pass catchers as far as yardage. In order from t- uh, the most to least, and from your top three. So, who catches the most yards, second most, and then third most? Oh, first most, I'm going to go Marvin Mims, obviously. He has the most talent, uh, most versatility in this offense. So, I think he'll get a majority of the looks. Um, wide receiver, too. I'll go with like, uh, I'll go Theo Weiss, uh, a guy that, that kind of, uh, maybe didn't really get his fair chance as far as maybe kind of coming into his own, um, then having that injury. So, um, everyone said he was looking like a difference maker before the injury. We'll kind of see heading into the Mm -hmm. spring if he stays healthy. So that's a very intriguing piece. And I think number three, I'll go with, I think I kind of want to go with Jill, uh, for root as far as a guy that, um, has a we lot of speed. We didn't even mention him. Yeah. Right. And he, he can attack over the middle. I think a guy that could really take advantage uh, right behind those linebackers. And J- Jaleel Farouk is not just, I mean, he's got some speed, but he's also got some strength too. And that's another yeah. guy that could really, really, you know, get off, get off the snap pretty quickly, beat a defender and just catch a ball. I mean, in play, basically a, lo- a lot of this too is not only, getting out in front of your opponent and getting in one-on-one situations. A lot of it's like almost like playing basketball where you're boxing out your defender to catch a wide open ball for those one-on-one situations. And Jalil Farouk, I really like him in those situations. I'll do the same two, the same first two. I don't see any way Marvin Mims isn't the leading receiver on this team this coming season. Second, Theo Weiss, yes. Um, even, you know, Jeremiah Hall, Braden Willis, they all talked about, of course, they're going to have their teammates back, but I also believe it that Theo Weiss was going to have another breakout year um, that, that was really, really surpassed the year prior. And then my third one, though, I'm going to say Eric Gray. I think they're going to use okay. Eric Gray in the passing game so much uh, out of the backfield, swing passes with three guys, the boundary, or simply just like tunnel screens or bubble screens. I think they're going to use him quite a bit in the – in the receiving game as well. So I think our first two definitely match, but I think Eric Gray is going to be utilized as a utility guy. I think he's going to be used as a running back quite uh, not. I mean, like I don't want to say quite a bit considering that Oklahoma, I know that they're still in the market for a running back. And I don't even know if he's, he's not, he's not getting 20 carries a game. He's going to get 
somewhere in the vicinity of what would you say 10 to 16 if that okay yeah, i was gonna say 10 to 15 but yeah yeah somewhere around that friend, and friend so i think he'll be a utility guy where he's on the field yeah uh hopefully not on punt returns during bedlam but when he where he's on the field but i i don't foresee him running the ball that often even though i think he could be a really good guy and so speaking to portal names you've got guys like brandon campbell out of usc <laughs> He's a red shirt freshman. He's like five foot ten. Uh, uh, not necessarily a speedster. Not necessarily a power back. Kind of like a balanced kind of sort of running back, but has decent <clears throat> hands to uh, participate in the in the pass game. He's out of Katy, Texas. Katy in Oklahoma. Katy Norman have a very very strong relationship. I mean, you got Nick Anderson who played with them. You got Rodney Anderson who was from Katy. And he didn't have an OU offer at a high school, but there's seems like there seems to be mutual interest between Brandon Campbell and OU. Yeah. Then you have Owen Condon from Georgia, the guy straight out from Oklahoma City, Bishop McGinnis. <laughs> and so I'm really curious there. And um, what do you what do you think about these guys? What do you think about Brandon Campbell? What do you think about Owen Condon? Does OU have chances with those guys? How do you think they might fit, etc.? Oh, I think OU will absolutely <clears throat> take Owen Condon at this point. I think they're kind of still looking for that that depth on the offensive line. But um, Brandon Campbell is a guy that I watched last night a little bit, kind of kind of hunt down some of his film. It's a little bit hard to find, but to me, he, he's like exactly what uh, Keith Ford was. Not really going to wow you with speed. Uh, tough runner. Uh, probably going to run a couple guys over, but um, he's Isn't like that a game a, breaker. Uh, not a game breaker, but he's a guy that can lean on some offenses when you want to kind of lean on him a little bit. So mm-hmm. he does fit that down, down, uh, downfield attack on the offense, but he is like a, a RB2 in this offense, essentially. And you would take you would you you would take both of these <clears throat> transfers if if Oklahoma was interested in both of them, yeah? Or no? I would I would certainly take Owen Condon, um, just based on the town alone and also being an Oklahoma guy. So um, there's something to have there, but Brandon Campbell will see kind of where they want to go with a running back position. Obviously, they'll take a running back. I just don't know if he'll be the right guy for it. I like Owen Condon strictly just because he came out of a real strength and conditioning program and we will be ready for something like Schmitty. Uh, as far as Brandon Campbell, you know, that that's tough for me. What kind of running back are you looking for OU to get in the transfer portal? Because... He's a guy that's a downhill runner. Oklahoma's not going to get a game breaker or any sort of guy. What kind of running back are you looking for? Because you've got Eric Gray, who's kind of the water bug guy that's got cuts, cuts right. for days. He catches the ball. You got Marcus Major, who's really not running back one material at the University of Oklahoma. Like he's running back one material at like other institutions like SMU, but I don't think he's running back one material at OU. And so, like, what kind of running back are you looking for? Are you looking up for a souped-up version of Marcus Major? Like, what do you? What kind of running back are you looking for? A a guy that's going to run you over? Are you going to? Are you looking for a guy that can do a lot of things? Are you looking for a more balanced approach? Can you give me a comparison, like a, a type of running back or a, oh, a name man. of a former running back you're kind of looking at? I mean, Kennedy Brooks is pretty good. A guy that uh, mm-hmm. a His big body time guy was horrible. A four five is a four five four or something like that. 
I thought it was like four six, four seven. Did I read that no, wrong? I think it. I think you got a four five. Yeah, well, good for you. I'm that's pretty true. sure you got it in there. It may have been a so high you, four five though, but so but you're looking you for a guy, guy like a three with, down, like yards after yards, yards after contact kind of guy. You want a guy that can that can hold up to contact or contact. You want a guy that can be useful in the passing game. He doesn't have to be Joe Mixon where he's just an elite wide receiver in the passing game, but a guy that defenses have to account for. What if it's like um, what if it's like freshman Trey Sermon before he tried to be all that all finesse? Yeah, that would work. That would work. Okay. You don't need like a, an elite elite guy. You don't need a top tier guy. Like no. if that guy's available, obviously you're gonna want to take a look at him, but especially in this not, offense not near out there. Where you're you're putting defensive backs and safeties to the boundaries, I mean you're going to have a lot of one-on-ones with, and especially if the offensive line is gelling and working well, you're going to have a lot of one-on-ones with linebackers and or the third level, which are the safeties. And so I'm very, I was just very curious what kind of running back you're looking for. I mean, like, yeah, I think I, I mean, I, I take Brandon Campbell specifically just because of what you said, he's a guy, you know, that will try to get downhill on you. Is he, could he be bigger? Yeah. Would I like, would I like him to get up over 200 pounds or at least over 190? Yes. Get, get me that, get me a, a dude like that. Or if I could put Brandon Campbell's abilities into Marcus Major's body, I would do that um, just because, I mean, like Marcus Major by no means, I do I think he's a bum. I just like he gets talked about so highly every year, but we don't see him to a bowl game. And I think there's reasons for that. And so I was just very curious about, you know, what you thought. I'd take Owen Condon too. Um, I think Brandon a- Campbell uh, also in recruiting. You don't want a guy that's going to be a two, three-year guy that's a five-star that's going to scare away your recruiting tactics. So that's fair. Maybe he does fit in that regard. That's fair. I think that's a fair thing to say. And this is not this is not portal news, but I'm just I'm just curious as we're heading to that direction. But Lebius Overton, he's still a guy that's in 2022. He's still a guy that OU seems to actually to legitimately be in on. Um, any any news on that front? Any idea? Uh, he's going to visit to Oklahoma um, for the spring game, and that will actually be his final official visit he takes. So that's always I would good expect news. a decision, uh, a decision to come out after that that period, like maybe a week or two later. So um, that will kind of be where you really get that that are you in or not essentially info. But uh, from all accounts, Oklahoma's doing a good job, obviously with Todd Bates having that relationship um, with him at Clemson and bringing it over to Oklahoma. Um, that's just another plus. And you also have the family aspect, um, with his dad playing at Oklahoma. So that would um, be such a big pickup for Oklahoma, right. especially after <laughs> how everything went down with, um, Oh, I, I it's already out of sight, Dindy. out of mind. Yes. How, how things went down with Dindy, how he was Oklahoma all the way. And then at the very end, of course, flipped, uh, to A&M. It would be such mm-hmm. a good thing for Oklahoma to get Overton and him like him like reclassifying this late is almost a blessing if Oklahoma were to secure his commitment just by playing the games and being like, all right, bro, like you want your you want your brother here? Fantastic. No problem. We got you covered. And the so the big I'm, question would be NIL and what Georgia mm-hmm. and AM are ready to spend on them. I think Oklahoma obviously will put something together, but by no means it's it's not gonna be anywhere near um what they put together for Caleb Williams not for a guy that's never played football 
in college. Yeah. So we'll kind of see if they bow out at that point. It just, it just makes me it makes <clears throat> me very intrigued about Oklahoma and knowing the resources and assets they have available and just simply because geographically where they are in comparison to other places uh, that have you know bigger markets and how that might affect them i mean you see how it affects oklahoma city thunder and oklahoma you know especially ou donors they can only pony up that stuff if the oil business is good and well i mean like right now things are being charged at record prices so yeah, who know <laughs> who knows um but also going off that same vein for recruiting for next year i mean levius overton he, this guy is is to to my understanding would be a summer camp guy yeah yeah he would enroll in that june it's june 5th somewhere around then yeah and um, so he'd just be like a basically you, a regular enrollee you think he'd get reps in the fall yes yeah He's that kind of guy. He's pretty talented. I don't think he's going to take over. Like Dindy would be a guy that I would just keep on the field. Mm-hmm. Lebius Overton is probably going to have to rotate pretty heavily uh, until he gets his body right. Do you think it at all would be possible he'd be a four gamer and they would be selective in those four games that he That's would play in? There's potentially there, but. Again, this is a guy that probably should be playing high school football next year. So that's why. I um, yeah, he's he should take some time to. I mean, get get your field play in, but but you really want to kind of spend most of that first year in the gym. I mean, at the same time, though, I think about these five stars. He's a five star, right? And mm. even as a re, even reclassifying, he's a five star. And there are just some players that are ready to play at that level immediately. I mean, like. I mean, Adrian Peterson is an outlier, right? I mean, Bob yeah. Stoops was like, this guy was ready to go to the NFL day one when he came, when I saw him jumping however many feet in the air out of the pool with weights on. Like, this guy's just a freak. And so some guys, you know, like like Adrian Peterson could have foregone his senior year of high school and could have played immediately at Oklahoma, which is interesting. And Tommy Harris, same thing. The guy came in ready to play. And he, that was that was the story, and that was why he was a, a to, another top pick. So, I think David Stone might have that potential. I twenty twenty four kid, and he's big time repping Oklahoma. Um, I mean, he, he reps everybody that offers him, but always comes back to Oklahoma as the common denominator. But now going to IMG, yeah, yeah, heading to IMG this fall, so uh, won't be playing. Okay, perhaps, but obviously. Um, with Brent Venables and Todd Bates and those Clemson guys, they have a pretty, pretty strong relationship with the, the IMG Academy. And for those listening, Stone is a 2024 prospect. So he'll be a junior with this coming summer. And unless he reclassifies too, which I would be more than happy if he did uh, talking about guys that are 2023, a couple of running backs. We, cause we come back to this running back thing. Uh, Oklahoma is going to need guys in the trenches. They're going to need running backs as well, especially to quell a lot of issues are also going to be looking at some other guys uh, that we'll talk about later for more transfer portal stuff. Oklahoma hosting unofficially guys. So looking at Trey Wisner, looking at Dylan Edwards, Trey Wisner, Forster running back out of the state of Texas, top 10 running back in the entire class. 
Dylan, uh, he's a more of a downhill runner guy. Uh, you got you also got Dylan Edwards, uh, three-star Kansas guy. I think he's the number four player out of the Kansas Gatorade Player of the Year as a junior. Very much water guy, five foot nine on a good day. Even though it was his his recruiting <laughs> profile says five foot ten. There ain't no way that kid is five foot ten. Yeah, he's, he's like five. He's like five foot seven out of and when he's not wearing cleats, right? He's like five foot eight, five foot seven. But he's water bugs, speed for days. When I think of him, I think of um, Deuce Vaughn, Roy yep. Finch with speed, like just speed to burn a guy that will be mo- most likely, yeah, running back in certain situations, but a lot of slot action. Um, and so, what what are your thoughts on those running backs specifically coming in Oklahoma? after Oklahoma just brought in Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk. Yeah, obviously they're different body types. Um, you look at the guys in the 2021 class, uh, pretty big body guys, a lot of speed. These these two running backs in particular, they're, I mean, they're pushing 5'10", but that, that would be about it there, though. Um, Dylan Edwards is probably the most intriguing to me. Um, just a lot of speed, very compact body. Um, you already introduced as a comparison i think that's a great comparison for him so um he's a guy that will probably start to push as a four star probably sooner rather than later um despite being a kansas kid so yeah and he again and that kansas connection he's from right. derby that's like that's like an hour 15 away from where brent venables is from in salina right and uh you know they were pretty close to securing his commitment earlier um, in the month. Didn't really happen uh, with the March fifth junior day, but we'll see this time around if they can kind of secure the deal and and if they want to go that route. So, see, you, you say it like that, right? And mm-hmm. but I think about it this way: I think that I think that Dylan Edwards wanted to take his other visits and is probably likely already committed to Oklahoma in his mind and Brent Venables probably very likely understands that Dylan Edwards is going to end up at Oklahoma. But with that, with that Venables thing, he's like, Hey man, don't commit here unless you're ready to stay here. And so it seems like one of those things. And, and I, I like, I like that about Brent Venables as much as sometimes I may not like that about Brent, about Brent <laughs> Venables strictly just because you saw the few times or a couple times that it really, really didn't work well during the Stoops era. But, you know, if Brent Venables is telling people up front, like, listen, we're always going to be here waiting because we want you, but you also need us. What are you going to bring to us? Go take your visits. Don't commit until you've seen the schools you wanted to. Whereas you, the previous regime was like, Hey, commit, Hey, commit, Hey, you know, join this, join this, join this, join this. Look, yeah. five stars, five stars, five stars. So it's a lot less flashed and it's a lot more substance. Um, and I also love the fact that Brent Venables and keep me, keep me in check here. Like think, tell me if I'm wrong. I like the fact that Brent Venables is reestablishing state and regional pathways and causeways to recruiting and not not just overlooking guys like Adam McAllister, not looking overlooking guys at a derby, and you know, the, basically like these dudes that could be the Deuce Bonds of the world, and these dudes that could be these three star kids, but really really good guys, you know, uh, like Robert Spears Jennings, the, that guy, yeah. he's three star, but is getting rave reviews in camp. 
Um, and so I, I, and I think of all those guys that slipped through the, the cracks. I mean, um, oh, who is that? That safety Cameron curl three star yeah, went, went to, to Arkansas. Arkansas pro bowler. Right. And so I, I think about Brent Venable's approaches. Yeah. We're going to lock down the state and this region of, of course, that region includes Texas, which is always nice. Um, before they also go national. I really, really like that, that they're taking that approach. What's, what's your idea on that? Yeah, I think there needs to be like a fine blend between guys that you can give regionally and guys that you, you want to take your chances on nationally. You can't, with a previous regime, it kind of felt like they just went more national and forgot about the, the local guys or just maybe assumed the local guys would just show up. And they all went to OSU, right? I mean, you saw OSU, so many Arkansas. You saw so many game breakers at OSU and Arkansas that could have been in an Oklahoma uniform. Ohio State, Michigan. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really have to put in your work to to secure the regional kids. It's not just a given. So um, I think Brent Venables realizes that, but he also realizes he can't just rely on local talent alone. So right. he is going to go after the big fish, but he's going to mix in. Uh, you know, a regional guy here and there that, that really fits the system for him. People don't realize how hard Arkansas had pushed into the Tulsa area, particularly Booker T. Washington in the Bixby mm-hmm. like area. Like Oklahoma has always had a great relationship with the coaches at Tulsa Union. Oklahoma, usually 10 out of 10 times, 9 out of 10 times is going to get that guy from Union and Jenks, but they've always had really, really big issues in getting those guys from Booker T getting to go, those guys from Bixby. And that's why Gentry Williams was such a big win for Oklahoma. First of all, he's a highly rated recruit. Second of all, Oklahoma is having to fight everybody off of him because Oklahoma hasn't been able to make headway into Booker T in those other schools in the Tulsa area. So I'm taking that as a positive and I'm really, really excited about it. And so, Spring ball from one day from, from no, from today is one week away. And that means you're going to hear about the spring game, which is in April. Um, But talking about spring ball, they're going to ramp up even more on strength and conditioning, like what they thought winter workouts and going into spring ball, that just light work in comparison to what they're going to experience in spring ball with Schmidt and the rest of the staff. With that said, what's a player on the roster? It can't be Dylan Gabriel. It's not fair. What's a player on the <laughs> roster that's not a freshman or not an incoming freshman? They, they could be a redshirt okay. freshman. That's not an incoming freshman that you're really looking forward to or maybe somebody that might have a breakout this coming fall. And why? Oh, man. I already used Jalil Farouk on that one. You can say Jalil Farouk. That's fair. Tell me why. Well, look. Well, he just fits the system a little bit better. I think, um, you know, his body type fits what they did at Ole Miss. Um, he's got a lot of talent, a lot of speed. So he's the guy that can make plays in the open field, doesn't necessarily need to be the deep guy. I think he has a lot of opportunities over the middle. Um, but also go with a guy like Andrew Rame, um, mm. a guy that also has a ton of talent, but maybe has lacked in the, uh, the strength and conditioning department. I think, uh, was it Creed Humphrey made the joke last season at the spring game that, was, that his, his arms just don't look good? That was the biggest issue of Rain. <laughs> yeah. it, it it wasn't in between his ears. Everybody knew he had he had it there. Yeah, it was his strength. So I think you know, given it's not going to be an overnight thing, but 
you'll start to see him progress into a more dominant uh, anchor for the offensive line. So two offensive guys. A man, I I am in between two defensive guys right now, and it's out of the and it's out of a base four three defense uh, that you will likely not see Venables to run that often unless. I, they're not going to run that base four three that often. You'll see a lot of four two five. That's actually usually a hybrid four two five. Which when you know with the edge rusher, you know the Brent is uh, multiple. It, it's hard to pin down. But let's say if it's a four three, these are the two players I'm struggling between. I think Danny such as a Mike could be really really good. Uh, him controlling the airways. Um, that's if he even starts at a Mike. He might be pushed to the will because Deshaun White has so much more experience. I don't know. But I like Danny Mike. I think he could have even more of a breakout year. Um, David Aguebu, strong side linebacker. That'd be interesting. Kind of like that. I like him securing that edge. I like his length. I like his athleticism. I like him being able to take on tight ends and even cover tight ends with that length. I, I really, really like that idea too i think it's a definite possibility oklahoma is not short of linebackers and that's a good thing i mean oklahoma has so many good linebackers and they just brought in three very quality linebacker like very great quality linebackers jaron canick's getting awesome reviews as well um in 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 the winter workouts and that i don't think that surprises many people and he may actually be like Maybe the best player of this class, maybe the second, third best player of this class. What would you say? He's pushing one or two. I think Gentry really Williams will surprise some people there, but yeah, is a, he's a dude. It, it's very apparent, and I'm very glad that he followed Brendan Venables to Oklahoma. And I'm still sorry to the Clemson people, but I'm also not <laughs> sorry. I feel less sorry about it now, knowing how uh, talented he is and how much he's going to help Sooners, but. Hey, man, spring game is April 23rd. We already know what the spring game is, all, is like. Um, hopefully, it's a good day. You know, most spring games, it's as of late, other than the Friday night lights, which was awesome, have been a little bit chilly. But things are supposed to warm up, uh, or they're super windy. Most people just watch from home. We know what the spring game is like. I, it's vanilla. You don't learn anything. And you see the twos and threes way more than you see the ones and the guys that you you paid to show up and see. Let's talk about entertainment. Who's gonna show up? Are we gonna see honky tonk, badonka donk again from Trace Atkins? Does it does does it even have to be Oklahoma? Like who would be somebody that you would approve of that you think the Oklahoma fan base would approve of? Oh man, they'd probably hate my music tastes. My music tastes not. I, I listen to a lot of indie stuff. I'm poor. Man, this is why I wish Garth Brooks was an Oklahoma graduate and cool. not Oklahoma State. Like if if Garth, if I've said it so many times, if I always wanted to dab on the shop. They didn't do anything. I think they retired. Yeah, he, they yeah yeah they broke up. They and they never got back. Yeah, like Kings Leon is always an obvious cool. one, but but I still don't think. The o, the main OU crowd, they would understand who Kings Leon is. <laughs> uh, and it, so I'm trying to think of like older guys, but like but at the same time, like the spring game, you host a lot of recruits. So what kind of music are you really trying to play? It's like 
it's so hard to pick out that music. Like, what are you playing Migos during the game, or are you like, are you playing like Who's Hot Then, like Roddy Rich and stuff like that during the game? But as halftime performance, you play it for the fans, and, and while you bring in the recruits to the like the locker room, so you kind of have to balance that aspect out. And so, I mean. Do you play? Do you just put Toby Keith on stage at halftime and mix in like actual like popular music before and during the game? You might do that because I think in previous years, not a lot of the the recruits were even available to see the concert, anyways. So right, um, the whole like mindset that that it's for them is kind of misplaced. It's more for like just to keep the fans going, essentially. So yeah, to maybe keep them Toby engaged. Keith. I think they should do like a culture shock, like get some K-pop in there or something. Mm. You know, one of my colleagues is super into K-pop. Really, I've never really listened to K-pop, but he, he is he is super into freaking K-pop. And you know what? It's not that bad. Some of it. I mean, you might I'll check you know, it out. I'll give it a Psy, Psy, Gangnam Style. That's that's K-pop. You know that? That's true. I have heard that song. Have you ever in in K dramas? And for for people that don't realize what we're talking about, K-pop and K-dramas, the, these are just music and f- films from Korea, <laughs> South the, the the good one, South Korea. Um, <laughs> unless we have fans in North Korea, uh, I'm sorry you don't have access to those wonderful films and music. Um, but have you ever seen Parasite? I have not. Everyone Whole... keeps telling me to watch it, dude. And it's on Hulu tonight. Watch it. You need to. While I'm uploading the podcast, I need you to watch Parasite. It'll blow your mind. I just bought uh, the Spider-Man movie. Nah. Watch both of them. I don't know. Figure it out. <laughs> we'll see. I'll we'll do a coin flip. All right, but so it, it, it won a t- it won a million awards. Like and people were not expecting <laughs> that. In 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 part of it is because you have to read subtitles and people are like <gasps> Foreign people speaking a different language is winning all these awards. Not a lot of readers it, in this state. Yeah, I, not, not a lot of, you know, reading for some people, it's not their forte. And that's okay, you know? <laughs> people are more like, you know, you need to be shown the imagery in Picture like... books. You know, or oral traditions. You know, if that's your style, we got you. That's why we have stuff in podcast form. You can read about it. You, you, listen, you can listen to this podcast, you know? You don't have to worry about it. Just click a button. Let's talk about this Oklahoma softball team, dude. They're they are the monsters, except they don't lose in the end. It's incredible. So they're just the Alabama of softball, essentially. It's wild. Like I've always talked about Patty Gasso's hitting her has has hit her golden age, and it's 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 just so unbelievable to me how hard they just keep on going. They had that tournament right. And they almost lost one of the last games, I think against Tennessee. They're down one run. Uh, Jada Coleman steps to the plate, two outs, two run homer, walk off. And like, I love the fact that some people suggest, like, you know, hey, in, in, I don't, I guess I shouldn't say I love the fact that, but when people say, oh, it's, um, this famous person or this athlete, it's their girlfriend, even though in people are like, well, they have a name <laughs> and you know what? If Billy Bowman doesn't start producing on the field this fall, he's going to be start to be known as Jada Coleman's boyfriend because she 
is killing it. Like she just like not it, immediately. I knew I was like, that one's gone. That one's gone. And nobody's pitching to Jocelyn Allo except when they went to Hawaii and she got to earn that record in her home state. I loved every minute of that. Of that. I thought that was so dope. I thought that was super cool for her. Um, and then, of course, you saw the crowning of uh, Lauren Chamberlain, uh, too, passing the crown on to Jocelyn Allo. I thought that was dope as well. Uh, Patty Gasso, you can't say enough about that woman. Give, give her more money. Just keep on giving her cash. I don't like. I don't know how. Just figure it out. Give her an NIL deal. Just figure it out. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and, and talking about continuing on, talking about women's sports, Oklahoma, I mean, like, they're hitting a, like a really good time for sport, like all sports. You've got men's basketball coming around. They just won their first round of the NIT tonight, and they got snubbed. We won't talk about that. I'm still very upset uh, about that. Michigan getting in over Oklahoma, who had a way better resume than a lot of other people. Um, you, men's basketball coming around. Women's basketball is about to be elite again. Softball is elite. You, tennis is elite. Uh, you've got gymnastics is elite. Uh, you've got, you know, uh, golf, which is apparently really, really good. You've got, I don't, I don't pay attention to baseball, dude. I just, I also don't care. Uh, and then foot, <laughs> the football team, it's a blue blood. I mean, what can Joe Castiglione, what, what more can you ask for? Right. And uh, then more stadium stuff, more stadium stuff. And that's why that turnip seeds there, right? Hey, hey, yeah, we, we get we might get those things added onto those state onto the stadium too, you know. Yeah, we'll we'll leave that note at the end of the podcast. Oh, I like I I, I like mystery. That's fun. Okay, I, I'm excited. Um, women's basketball is returning pretty much everybody next year. By the way, they said, "Oh my gosh, Jenny Baranchek, this is the best coach I've ever played for. We're coming back. They're a four seed, and they can." And they had a really substantial injury this year. A person that averaged like double digits last year. Almost everybody's coming back. They're excited. They're a four seed this year in the tournament. They're going to do all amazing things. I'm very excited for the women's team. If you haven't watched them, they're incredible. They're very, very fun to watch. They score 80 points, 80 plus points a game up and down the court. Threes, defense, you name it. It's fun. Let's head to some listener questions, man. Uh, it's from Danny Cox. He says, and I, we've talked about this a little bit before. He says, what's the possibility that uh, Brent Venables brings in transfers after spring practices? He mentioned Mike Woods, how Mike Woods came in uh, as soon as the summer started, even though in retrospect and in hindsight, Mike Woods probably would have been better served staying at Arkansas considering what the regime was doing, the coaching regime was doing or not doing uh, to their duties. But um yeah what about post spring transfers in well obviously it's highly about, likely we've talked about running backs we talked about our wide receivers talked about offensive linemen uh are there any other things that you think oklahoma might consider transfers uh they might take one more defensive lineman but they have to be like the right guy for it like what, what not kind gonna... of defensive lineman like end tackle no this tackle. would be like a high-end guy but yeah, it would be an interior offense or interior defensive lineman. Sorry. So like a defensive tackle or a guy that lines straight up over the center. Yeah. Nose tackle or defensive tackle. All right. One of those. Right. Uh, maybe look at a wide receiver. I think you mentioned that before. Um, you're not a you know, fan. You, you're not a fan of uh, Jordan Kelly. You don't believe in him. 
You don't think I believe in them? I just don't know the like the potential, the ceiling. Mm. That, like, that's it? fair. Like, he's a solid player. He's made plays before, but I don't know if he's a guy that you run with consistently. Yeah, who's that makes who, sense. who is coming back on the defensive line next year? I should have checked po- because Corey Roberson, maybe Corey, a guy that, got that slides inside and Jeffrey Johnson, who's coming, who's who's coming to you. You've got uh, Jalen Redmond. You've got who can do defensive end and tackle. You've got uh, Corey Roberson, uh, Jordan Kelly. Is Ellison is gone, or he's still he there? Is still there. And then you also have the other JUCO guy as well, Isaiah Co. Yeah, and so that's not bad, right? Not bad. You just but you could use more. uh, Yeah, you want more talent at that point. You have some depth, but if you can pull in a high end talent guy, then 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 do it at this point. Mister Stephen Brown is looking for quality over quantity, (laughs) and that is very important when you're trying to win championships. I I I, that's fair to say. That's fair. But I I interrupted you. Said you talked about wide receivers. Yeah, I think uh, Oklahoma will probably look at that Arkansas State kid that. that announced his portal, I think a week ago, the, uh, the Rucker, Corey Rucker kid. Mm-hmm. I think he's maybe already taken a couple of visits, but wouldn't surprise me if, if Oklahoma got involved there. What intrigues you about him specifically? High production guy. Um, a guy that can go downfield and make plays. Um, he's a guy that obviously is going to live on the boundary. So um, fits Oklahoma's scheme that way. So I think it would be a very good addition. I don't think uh, he would take Marvin Mims spot as, as the wide receiver one, but, you know, maybe he pushes Theo Weiss for that wide receiver two production, uh, potentially. What's his frame with size? I, I guess I, I, I had my head buried in the sand for a week. What's his size? Oh, I think he's around six foot, six okay. foot, six foot one. He's not a, a huge guy by any means. So kind of, kind of like the same vein as Marvin Mims. Yeah. Uh, very talented guy. A little bit more rangy, but right. he's not bigger. That makes sense. And that's, that's, that's intriguing. Um, you know, as far as other, other guys that I think Oklahoma might be looking at for the transfer portal, of course, the trenches we mentioned, we mentioned running back, mentioned wide receiver. Yeah, for sure. Uh, quarterback, right? Uh, I mean, I think Oklahoma still wants to get that extra guy in unless they feel comfortable with Ralph Rucker, Ralph Rucker, uh, as that third guy. Uh, but I, I, I I still think they're going to try to get that extra quarterback in, but who knows? Um, it'll just be more means for Dylan Gabriel to slide, um, which is something he needs to learn how to do. Um, another question from King Nemo 1991. That's the year I was born. He said, how quickly, oh, this is a fun one. How quickly would Brent Venables kill? <laughs> Sorry, just reading the question out loud. It's, it's funny. Is that a Tebow question? Yeah, how quickly would Brent Tebow Venables kill uh, Tebow in a in a death match? And we we clarified this. It was um, it was fair fair game, no prison rules. Okay, um, I would assume fairly quickly within the first minute for sure. I think I I think Brent Venables Brent's, Brent's a very aggressive guy. Yeah, I think he's seen some very stuff. Very aggressive guy, especially as a linebacker background. And then you have you know Riley who couldn't even make it as a walk on QB at Tech. Uh, g- give me Venables daily. Yeah, he basically cried in that press conference because he had to bench uh, Baker Mayfield for a series. Yeah, that's fun. 
yeah, that, that 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 would end very very quickly. But it would be something I would pay to see. How how much would you pay to see that? Like pay per view? Yeah. Oh man, I'm pushing. I'd go over hundred bucks. I I th- I think I threw in a hundred too. Well, let's I don't say, know if I'd go over a hundred, but a hundred. If it was on pay per view tomorrow, I would definitely buy it for a hundred. We, we could split it. We could split it and watch together and just like pool money. But everybody, you knew everybody would hammer down on Venables. Together. We can you knew everybody would hammer on Venables. <laughs> yeah. You'd have to close the betting so fast. Uh, all right, next question. I'd get Buki to come back and, and take bets. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. We we have to we have to keep these bettings. Um, we 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 have to keep them low key. Or Calvin so, Ridley. Yeah, Calvin Ridley. Oh my gosh, that's wild, isn't He's it? He's looking for a job. I had to explain to my because one of my students brought it up in class um, about what point shaving was, and I had to explain to my entire class what point shaving <laughs> was, which was the funniest thing in my life. Uh, this one comes from Oklahoma, Oklahoma. And it says Stutzman Stan. And uh, yeah, man, Danny Stutzman, I am a, I'm, I'm a fan. He says, watching the game versus Kansas and Texas and many more. And he, he brought up a great point. He says, watching those games and many more. Do you think Grinch was overrated at Oklahoma just sincerely because it was a step up from Mike Stoops? Um, A little bit. I don't think he's a bad defensive coordinator. I agree with that uh, they had their bad games, but so does every other team. So, for the most part, they were consistent. The reason why this question made me think a lot was because I look at Iowa State, I look at Baylor, and I looked at other defenses strictly in the conference. And I mean, like, it's not like Baylor inherited the best. The, the best situation Iowa state they're recruiting two and three star guys. They don't, they're not getting four star guys. They're not getting that talent that already comes in to be shaped and molded that Oklahoma has yet. Oklahoma was still struggling to crack top 50. Unless of course you have Ronnie Perkins blacking out on the field, demanding double teams <laughs> while Jalen Redmond is also sometimes demanding double teams which frees everybody up, including Nick Benito, who also would command double teams. And so it frees everybody else up just to go kill offenses. Um, And so I I thought that was a great point because I mean, yeah, was, did that, did that, was that year special when they had Benito, Ronnie Perkins, Jalen Redmond, and did they yeah, have when they had all those in Perry? Was that year really, really special? Oh my gosh! Talk about a hell of a defensive front. Talk about a hell of a defense, and it made the made the defensive backfield so much easier for them to defend. And that's why I think, man, you know, this time it might have been in the Jimmys and Joes instead of just the just the X's and O's. I think having that front four really, really made Grinch look a lot better than maybe he was. Now, to your credit, like you said, he's not, I don't think he's a bad defensive coordinator. Yeah. He took Washington State from the bottoms to something really, really respectful, respectable. Um, but do I think he's in the same, this on the same level as Brent Medibles? Hell no. I mean, what do you think? 
Yeah, when I look at his defenses, I think he's a very good recruiter. Um, you know, knows what he wants in his system. I think that's probably where a lot of the success uh, comes from. Um, X's and O's, maybe not as much. I mean, you look at the rotations and everything that just didn't really make sense. Um, probably would have had a lot more production, um, you know, given that you keep Nick Bedino on the field, you keep Perrion Winfrey on the field, that kind of stuff. So um, there's something to be said about his X's and O's, but as a recruiter, I think that's where he found a lot of his uh, success. Man, ever since that old regime, ever since the old defensive staff left, there has been nothing but constant shade thrown at them by those players <laughs> yeah, especially that, are, on. that are not even on the team that are not even on, on the team anymore. The current players, I think BV, I think Brent Venables told them what's up. Like, Hey man, like that's in the past. Let's move forward. But those former players realizing what they experienced their senior year was a, a load of horseshit basically are now voicing their opinion uh, but even some of them voiced their opinion during the season and had to delete tweets like Nick Benito. He like, I remember, I still remember his tweet. Can't find that screenshot. He's like, it's crazy what happens when you actually let people rush the quarterback. And I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> in the middle of the season, because like you said, they would take Nick Benito off the field on third down. Sometimes why is this man ever leaving the field? They would take Perry and Winfrey off the field on third down. Some, why is he ever leaving the field? I mean, like, I get it when you when you want to limit limit somebody's snaps, especially if if the team's snapping the ball 115 times a game. But third down on a passing down, you're taking away two of your best options, especially when both can command double teams at times. Right. When it didn't, and none of it made sense, and now a lot of it makes sense, and so. It's just wild to wild to think about this, and and this is a follow up question from Oklahoma, um, and it's a different question, but still based upon the Sooners. But it's Sooner in the NFL now. He asked about Baker uh, Mayfield. Baker Mayfield actually posted a, a tweet tonight yeah. talking about um, cool. him giving his all for uh, for Cleveland and for the Browns. And um, I still watch all of those games, despite the fact that I'm a Steelers fan and. Uh, their rivals, you know, everybody in that, uh, that division it the AFC North is just stupid with defenses and yada, yada. And now the AFC West is stupid too. But the question was if Baker Mayfield were to leave uh, from the Browns, where would you like to see him play next? And I thought that was a great question too. Like if I could pick any team or where do I think he's going to go? Uh, both. Cause it sounds like he's going to go to Indy. To Indianapolis. That's, I don't like that fit. That's, I guess, what Twitter is saying at the moment. So I hate that fit for him. Um, if I could pick, I would love to see Baker Mayfield in Miami. That would, that would just be so much fun, just, just everything involved in that. So I think he fits Miami pretty well. The Just like the coaching staff or just the scene? Just just the scene. Mm. Like, Can you imagine? He was walking around with a tiger in Cleveland. Just think about what's going on in Miami. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. We always saw him in that thick, heavy coat in that mustache in Cleveland and uh, Miami Mayfield could be, ooh, Miami Mayfield. That's a shirt. Yeah. That could be be fun. I'm making Um, that tonight. Man, I hope he doesn't go to Indy. I mean, they're not a bad team. Don't get me wrong. They have a great running back. Um, But 
I don't, I don't want to see him in Indianapolis. They're not going to win a championship. They're not going to come close. Uh, I mean, they came kind of close last year until Carson Wentz just completely crapped the bed, <laughs> if we're being honest. Uh, well, if Indy's the one, cool. I hope he does well. A place I'd like to see him in. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing him in Pittsburgh for obvious reasons to to <laughs> to battle it out with Mitch with Mitch Trubisky. I think both of those guys do things that Matt Canada wants to do well, other than just handing the ball off to Najee Harris. But I would also like to see him. Uh, and of course, everybody wants to see him. In, you know, in in the Dallas area, there or maybe not. Who knows? I mean, there there are a lot of OSU fans. Uh, that are cowboy fans that like Dak. Dak is pretty polarizing, actually. I found out pretty recently. I there are cowboy fans that love him, and there are cowboy yeah. fans that hate him. I don't really understand that because I mean, he's not a terrible quarterback. Yeah, no, he's not terrible. He's above average. He's not. He's he's not a superstar, in my opinion. Do you, I don't you, think he's the reason that the Dallas is losing. Though I, 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 I there's a lot that. more that goes into Dallas losing than just Dak. Well, Jerry Jones is the reason why Dallas is losing. <laughs> Keep him out of the equation. Have him just be hands off and be the owner. Like you know what I mean? It, it's just where where would Bake fit really well? I can't I can't because West Coast Bake I don't doesn't do it for me. Las Vegas Baker would do it for me. That'd be fun. You think he could be cool? You think he could unseat Derek Carr? I think he could get an unseat Derek Carr. Uh, Derek Carr always finds like some sort of superpower to keep himself a job. Like Derek Carr's not the worst. He's not a bad quarterback, but I think Baker's better. Yeah, and I, can I, see I it. and I think he brings that swagger that Las Vegas actually could actually use. Right. They can uh, and they can market that crap really well. Oh yeah, that'd be that's the I might actually flip my pick now. That Miami. would be really fun. and and I've got a Las Vegas Raiders shirt, so it just makes it convenient. <laughs> just stitch Mayfield's name on the back. Yeah, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna no nah, man, I'm just, I'm not gonna stitch it. I'm just gonna get that masking tape and just like put it on the back and then sharpie oh, no. just Mayfield that in. There you go. Yeah, it was good times. Um, I'm I'm out of I'm out of questions, man. We're over an hour. Do you, do you have anything? Um, as far as renovations, because we hinted at earlier, we yeah, tidbits. Just, I like tidbits. Um, I think, from what it sounds like, maybe some stuff goes out goes down the end of the month, um, in early April. So, it won't be major stuff, but um, everything is kind of trending the right direction as far as um, Thad making an immediate impact. Oh, it, this is in that is specifically football related. And that's a football it, guy. Is this something that we've hinted at prior? This or is, is this yeah, a, new, a little is this, bit. Is it's, this a new project? It's a little bit new and it's a little bit what we've hinted at. Okay. I'm very curious. I'm very excited. And I hope the fans are excited too. So um, should be anything, cool. anything else? Uh, join discord because it's the best thing you can ever do with your life. Um, I need to get back on there. I've, I've been taking a whole week off and really busy with work, but um, obviously, we're talking recruiting, we're talking football, uh, softball, OU baseball, OU basketball, pretty much any OU sport, um, NFL, NHL, all everything's on there. So it's always a good time. It's free to join. So just look for that link. And like, I, I just simply just said we were going to podcast <clears throat> tonight in the Discord and 
lots of comments immediately just down the page. Uh, it's a great community, guys. I, I'll put it in the bio of the podcast link, whether you get it on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, wherever, wherever you get your podcast, guys. I'm pretty sure this I'm sure this podcast is on that app, wherever you are. And if you would rate us five stars, I'd love it even more. That would be amazing. But thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks, for, guys, for listening, uh, especially that are in spring break with March Madness about to hit. Uh, lots of things going on. Uh, follow us on CrimsonandCreamMachine.com. There's lots of content dropping daily. You can follow us on Twitter, at CC Machine. Uh, you can follow Jack. Jack had to cover the game this evening, at J. Larry Shields. If you're watching a live stream or you're going to catch up or watch on YouTube, you can see it displayed right here. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm calm here. You can follow me at Kamarabi and CCM. You have Steven Brown. You can follow him at, at OFDSB. Again, Discord link in the bio. Thank you guys for watching, and we will certainly check you guys later.